This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. It's our pleasure to welcome back John Carlson of 2% Realty to share his thoughts on what can only be described as a revitalized real estate market and how you can take advantage of it. But first, a few Vancouver consumer headlines from this past week. Even the power of a presidential name could not save this Vancouver landmark. The Trump Hotel closed in April and will be, according to a sign on the back door, closed indefinitely. Mott 32, the upscale Cantonese restaurant inside that hotel, which had tried to survive, is now closed amid swirling rumors the hotel will either be sold or rebranded. Should be pointed out, the Trump Hotel is not owned by The Donald, who sells his name as part of the branding rights. According to a new government data... A whopping 60% of Canadian restaurants may close over the next three months. Those that have managed pandemic protocols and are open are really suffering. The food industry has laid off more than 800,000 employees nationwide. If you want to ski and ride on Whistler Blackcomb, set to open November 26th, you will need to make a reservation with priority reservations to seasonal pass holders. You'll also have to wear a mask to get on the mountain and in all parts of the resort, including lift lanes and riding in lifts and gondolas. It was another record year for birth tourism in B.C., a 22% spike in non-resident births from April of last year to March of this year. 868 non-residents of Canada, the vast majority of whom are understood to be Chinese nationals on tourist visas. The newborns are automatically Canadian citizens. As more British Columbians go back to work, B.C. researchers are partnering with the private sector to study how to safely reintegrate employees amid the pandemic. Believe the only study of its kind in Canada. The ultimate goal is to help Dr. Bonnie Henry and the health system make decisions on and to understand how workplace risks or impacts involve all of us. And as we head toward the Labor Day weekend, and if your plans include the okie-dokie noggin, be advised the recent forest fires which forced the closure of the wineries on Skaha Bench is no longer a threat and the wineries are open. The issue now is the state of the grapes. One weary winery owner is confident the grapes will be spared the smoky taint brought on by the fires. That's either good or bad, depending on your taste. And joined again by one of our favorite people, because it's my favorite topic, and that's real estate, John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com, John Carlson of 2% Realty. How are you doing, John? Hey, great to be here again. Thanks, Manny, and I'm doing, I'm doing really well. Well, I know you weren't scheduled to uh, join us on Vancouver Consumer for another couple of weeks, but, you know, the market has been uh, really boiling lately, so we thought we'd better have you back on to explain what the heck is going on uh, since the pandemic hit. I know you mentioned that May, June, July, uh, looking really good in terms of sales. August, uh, August appears to be pretty good, but there might be a little bit of a blip as we near the end of the month. Well, um, traditionally, August is a month that, you know, sags a little bit in uh, greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley markets. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with the fact that we all starve for sunshine all year long. And then finally, when we get our holidays, you know, maybe we don't want to be thinking about business or or real estate. So 
Um, I found, again, back in July, the stats were really fantastic. They were very encouraging. Um, a lot of people re-entering the market, whether they're buying or selling. So the numbers kind of picked up to their 10-year averages, where we were way below prior to that with the COVID situation. Uh, and so that was really encouraging. August also started off pretty strong, but I found that, you know, I, I still have home selling and the market is fine. But it seemed to be, you know, as, as August worked on, I found the number of showings and the listing appointments tended to drop a little bit. And uh, again, I think that is pretty typical for this time of year, given the summer. Uh, but there's also the thought that perhaps the reason that July was such a strong month is that there was the pent-up demand from those people who may have acted in March or April or May, but of course were turned off by the COVID situation. So it remains to be seen. Uh, September, generally the Labor Day weekend is kind of the kickoff for the fall market. And in, in these parts, the spring market and the fall market tend to be traditionally uh, the busiest times. And I'm anticipating uh, a balanced but yet good strong market in September. John Carlson, 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. John's direct number is 604-612-0080. There was a client of yours that we really wanted to talk to because it, I think, emphasizes how quick uh, you can sell a home now and how quick you need to buy a home. And uh, Daryl and uh, his wife, Christy, sought you out. Uh, John, they were looking to sell their home. They hadn't dealt with a realtor for over 14 years. And we're going to talk a little bit later on Vancouver Consumer with you, John, about how do you choose the right realtor. Well, thankfully for Daryl and his wife, Christy, uh, they chose John Carlson. We thought we'd invite Daryl on with us uh, this afternoon. Daryl, welcome to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. How did you initially get a hold of John? Uh, I got a hold of John. I basically was just uh, doing my research online. Um, You know, the wife and I were trying to decide which realtor to go with. And, um, you know, we were looking for someone with with good experience, past results, good reputation, that type of thing. And just sort of happened upon him. And he got I saw lots of positive, you know, reviews, positive feedback. And uh, we just decided to uh, go with him. You wanted a valuation on your home, I understand. Yeah, correct. We we uh, it was actually quite amazing. We um, never laid eyes on him. He never knew we existed. So we we called him up and we arranged to have him over for sort of an interview and an evaluation of our of our home. And um, so and and I had every intention on interviewing several realtors. And, um, but John was the first one. So he, he, he came in and we, we had an interview and he, of course we did the, the walkthrough and, and sort of evaluation. He told us what sort of he thought we could, we should list for. And, uh, but of course he put no pressure on us to, you know, to use what he said. Uh, he just sort of gave us his, his, uh, you know, thoughts on that. And we, <laughs> we, 48 hours later, the house was listed and sold. Oh boy! Wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, now obviously those results probably aren't typical, but uh, yeah, it, we went two days from never even meeting them to the house fully sold. And uh, in terms of uh, price, you were happy with what you got. Obviously, you accepted the offer. You know, it's it's funny. Like um, we, you know, the, the the wife and I, we sort of had a, a number in our in our minds before John even came over 
And when he gave his, um, you know, evaluation of what he thought, it was it was quite higher than what we ever dreamed of. So we we actually ended up listing lower than what even John said to do. Um, and uh, yeah, it was like I said, sold immediately one day, one day on the market. Well, now the nerves are a little rattled. You've sold your house in uh, forty-eight <laughs> hours, and uh, you got to find another place to live. And John helped you with that. Oh yeah, so so we we listed it. Like I said, we we thought it was going to be listed higher than than you know we we probably should have. So we we thought we were buying ourselves some time to start go looking around and. Yeah, when it sold so fast, uh, it was it was a stressful time. Uh, you know, we had to go look around quite fast. But boy, John was was so wonderful. He he gave us he knew sort of the the pressure we were in, and he gave us all of his time. Uh, and we went and viewed a whole bunch of homes, and uh, finally pulled the trigger. Well, tell us about your newly constructed home in Maple Ridge that John found for you. Oh, geez. Uh, it's absolute dream house um, in Maple Ridge. It's like 4,500 square feet, seven bedrooms, uh, a three-bedroom legal basement suite. Uh, we, we never dreamed we would... We, this wasn't even on our radar to get something as as uh, beautiful as this, but he, he found us this house and and it was yeah it's a new build it was sort of half built at the time and you know com- compared to what we would we would have got maybe in other cities like Langley or whatever um this was just the best by far the best value now i take it you and your wife didn't move in with john in the interim until it was finished <laughs> no we're we're actually not even we we haven't moved in yet oh really <laughs> yeah it's not it's not till october but i, I told john if it's not finished you're going to you're going to we're going to bring our sleeping bags to your house <laughs> yeah to have a couple of house <laughs> unwanted house guests <laughs> <laughs> pretty much <laughs> well tell us about the process obviously you were pleased the fast turnaround and uh finding that as you said uh, dream home tell us about the whole process and uh john's uh real estate manner yeah, so the whole pro- like we we had we, we haven't moved for like fourteen years, so uh, it's been it's been quite a while. But our, and our move fourteen years ago was actually not a not a not a pleasant one. We had a kind of a bad experience, and so we went into this a little bit gun shy and remembering those those bad experiences. But um, you know, John, he he's just so amazing that he doesn't like he doesn't try to impose his his views or criticism he will he will insert you know when we go view a house or something he will insert his thoughts or whatever but he never you know he never tries to impose you know hey you should do this you should do that he just simply tells us what's there what's available here's the pros here's the cons and completely lets us uh, you know decide for ourselves what what course of action we should take. He just, and that's really important to me because I kind of had the other way uh, last time around. Um, you know, he just, he's someone who just had all of our best interests at the forefront. You know, he, he never, like I said, he never tried to, to hijack the, the whole process. It was all, it was always, we were the ones in, in control and, and we really felt good about that. And of course that uh, commission structure, that's an added bonus benefit. It, it, it sure is, and I mean, that's the the great thing about John's philosophy is, you know, he he admits that, you know, look, it's it's the year twenty twenty, and and you know, everyone's on the internet, and and you know, the the I'm not trying to uh, 
I'm not trying to to belittle how much work they they actually do, and they do a lot of work. But I mean, let's face it, you know, clients typically go on you know go online and look up houses themselves and tell agents, uh, you know, what what homes they'd like to look at, et cetera, et cetera. And um, you know, it, it's I, I just my own personal belief and my wife is, you know, you don't have to pay that you know twenty five thousand dollar commission or whatever it is with the full with the full commission, it's, it's not needed. I mean, we sold our house in one day and we bought a home pretty quickly after that. And, and the commission was not even a factor in, in either way. So, um, yeah, it was, it was just a great process. Well, John Carlson of 2% Realty, when I hear a client of yours say that he and his wife uh, found their dream home, uh, that to me says it all about your service. Well, yeah, and, uh, you know, I, hearing this for the first time, you know, thank you very much, Daryl and Christy. Working with them is, was awesome, um, and it, it does feel good to hear these kind of things. i I got to be honest, it feels really good. Um, but that, that really is the goal, and I think that's the goal of any agent, really, is to provide a good level of service that accomplishes the goal of the client in such a way that they're happy enough to to tell other people about it and continue, um, you know, continue that going on. So um, I'm, I'm always wide open for any listeners out there who might want to take part in a process like this as well, and they can call me as well. And I just want to say thanks, Daryl, for a fantastic, um, uh, you know, fantastic testimonial. We're not done yet. We're still waiting for the house to be done in October, but everything's on pace. And, uh, you know, I know I'm sure I'll be in touch with you again soon, Daryl. Well, if it isn't ready and they do move to your place, make sure the pillows are fluffed. Oh, yeah. The sheets yeah. are clean. Mint on the pillows every morning, guaranteed. (laughs) And the fridge is full. That's right. (laughs) Well, we want you to consider uh, John Carlson of 2% Realty if you're considering buying or selling. We're, as John points out, headed towards another busy, traditionally busy selling season after the Labor Day weekend. John's direct number, 604-612-0080, or uh, you can go online and uh, check out uh, his commission structure and many other things. JohnnySmartPoint.com, JohnnySmartPoint.com. One of the things that Daryl also mentioned that I think it's critical when you're enlisting the services of a real estate agent, uh, John, and that is uh, no pressure tactics. Right. You know, I was I was really uh, enjoying that because uh, that is my philosophy. I think, you know, when, when people are looking to choose an agent, I think one of the very first things you want to consider is the the relationship that you have with that agent and the representation that uh, that agent uh, is providing to you. Because, you know, the agency relationship says that a realtor, uh, a real estate agent, uh, represents the interest of the client as if they were his or her own. Those are the interests. My interests are the client's interests. They're not the commission that might be payable at the end of the deal. They're not any other side issues. They're the interest of the client. So, uh, you know, I really enjoyed uh, and thank you, Daryl, for, for putting it out there that uh, that I was not a decision maker. I'm an advisor. Um, I put whatever expertise I have, uh, you know, to the client and I give them the best advice I possibly can. And in the end, try to paint, a, uh, you know, the picture of some different options so that the client can make an informed choice. I think Daryl mentioned he hadn't, you know, had a realtor um, work for him in maybe 14 years and maybe the last time it wasn't a very good experience. So um, I'm very glad, Daryl, that you mentioned that. Thanks a lot because, uh, you know, my philosophy is is basically the the core of the agency relationship. When I work for someone, I owe them the duties of loyalty. I work for them and them alone in a particular transaction. 
confidentiality, whatever we discuss and their motivations and whatever their top or bottom lines financially might be, those are confidential between us and no one else. And then full disclosure of everything an agent knows is the other duty that owed to a client. So uh, if you're picking an agent, the first thing to think about is the agency relationship and how that client, uh, I'm sorry, how that agent will will represent you as a client. So again, very happy to get that good review. Well, it's critical to get the process rolling on the right track. There are so many myths about real estate agents. Uh, Should I hire an agent who is not too busy for me? If that is your definition of a good agent, uh, we're going to dispel a couple of myths when we come back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, joined this hour by John Carlson of 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. John's direct number 6120080 continuing our convo with John Carlson of 2% Realty johnnysmartpoint.com johnnysmartpoint.com John's direct number 6120080 6120080 throw a 604 in front of that uh, John we were speaking in the first segment uh, with a client of yours uh, Daryl and wife Christy boy were they pleased with the service you provided but I got to a thinking uh, when I was talking to Daryl, you know, some of the myths about real estate agents, I I think, are completely unfounded. Uh, One is that you should always choose an agent uh, that is not too busy. And I think to myself, I want an agent who's busy because that agent has seen every square footage in the neighborhood I'm looking in. This is a skill. And you brought that uh, to Daryl and Christie's situation pronto. Yeah, you know, and I think there's truth in that. I I wouldn't want to work with any professional, um, whether it be a doctor or a lawyer who is too busy, because then I wouldn't get the attention that I need. And and I get that. And quite frankly, there have been times in the past, I seem to remember, you know, the heyday of the market where uh, a couple people called me and I had to simply maybe refer them to someone else because I couldn't take it on. That's rare. That's unusual. Um, But on the other hand, uh, you do want an agent who, I think anyway, you want an agent who is busy, who's got his or her finger on the pulse of the market in your area who knows uh, you know what is happening in your segment and uh, I think you know experience recent experience is is the, one of the crucial things you want to look for in an agent for instance with with Daryl and Christy I think Daryl mentioned that originally he was thinking a number much lower than we ended up listing the property for and uh, I happen to know because I had a, a, a house right around the corner that was similar to this one that had sold and during the time we had an offer on that other home and the time the conditions came off, I'd had, a, I'd had calls from a number of agents kind of saying, hey, John, let me know if this deal falls apart because my people are looking for something a lot like this. So simply because I happened to already be busy in the area, uh, when I met Daryl and Christy, I informed them. Again, here's the, the duty of uh, full disclosure. I said, you know, the one I had around the corner, there are four or five people calling me about that one. So we're probably going to want to put your price up a little bit higher uh, given that there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of inventory. And then uh, I think Daryl mentioned that, uh, you know, we had an offer within about 48 hours. As it turned out, a very clean offer at over list price came in right away. And I think that showed the urgency of this particular buyer at the time. And, uh, you know, we had a discussion. I suggested, hey, you, you could accept this offer uh, or we could wait a little bit longer and see if we could maybe get a better offer or a multiple offer situation. Um, and I gave them all the details. And in the end, I think that Daryl and Christie made the right decision because there was no guarantee that they would get an offer even higher over list price than the one that was already there. And uh, the other thing uh, is that this offer gave them the time to go out and looking for a home. Usually it comes down to the money, but it's also the timing. And 
as Daryl mentioned, they didn't know where they were going, and uh, the offer that came in uh, for them had a buyer that was willing to be flexible and put the dates into October, and if necessary, move those dates quicker if we found a house sooner. So I think when it came to the price, the, the, the fact that the offer was clean and uh, the dates were flexible, you know, I think they made a good choice, and I was happy to be part of that. Well, that goes to your negotiating skills to be able to make those dates work. Uh, you know, uh, from the time it was sold to October, it can a number of months. So uh, there had to be some pretty heavy negotiation uh, going on in that respect. Uh, multitasking, you must have been doing that because you knew this house would probably sell. You had a listing around the corner that was in demand. So in this particular case, uh, this house looked like it was probably going to go at some point quickly. And that would force the issue of, gee, i got to get them another house. That's right. And again, uh Money and timing are the two big ones that, that really you're, you're looking for uh, putting together in a good way for a client. And I find right now the detached housing section uh, segment of the market in the affordable segments particularly is pretty hot. Uh, detached housing has come back in a big way. Perhaps, you know, COVID situation and working from home is playing into that. I, I, you know, to some degree, I'm sure it is. But I find right now the challenge for people sometimes is you know, they want to maybe look for a house first. And if they're in a, a segment that has a lot of potential buyers, in other words, it's an affordable segment, oftentimes we'll, at the very beginning of the process, we'll go out and we'll look at a home and they'll say, okay, let's write a subject to sale offer on this place. And then the next day the agent calls me and says, hey, John, just so you know, we've got an offer coming in today and it's not subject to sale, or maybe we have two offers coming in. And you know, my clients will kind of kind of learn that, hey, wait a minute, you know, maybe the subject to sale route is a tough one to go. Maybe we'll get our hearts broken. Maybe we won't be able to actually go from A to B. So there's a bit of a leap of faith sometimes. And I, I try to be very, very uh, gentle and cautious with this because it, it it is unnerving to think that, okay, we're going to sell our house and three months down the road, people are moving in and we don't know where we're going yet. So oftentimes what I propose to to clients like this who maybe don't have a landing place yet and they're we know that their house is probably if it's listed properly is probably going to sell reasonably quickly or in a reasonable period of time we want to go out and stir that other pot in other words we want to go out and look at properties that they might be interested in knowing darn well that other offers may come on those and we might not be quite ready to purchase them but at least we get a, a comfort level that you know, maybe Daryl and Christy or another couple could look at each other and say, hey, you know, maybe we're not going to get this house. We just saw it and somebody else bought it. But at least we know with a level of comfort that houses like the ones we're looking for in our price range are out there. And once they got that comfort, generally speaking, you can list the property, take offers on the home they're in. And then, as Daryl mentioned, I have to be available for these people to go out and explore every avenue of the market so they can have a, a place to be and they're not homeless. So again, the money's important. The timing's important. Putting them together is important, and I think that's where an experienced, competent agent with a good skill set uh, really comes in handy. John Carlson of 2% Realty joining us on this edition of Vancouver Consumer at CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, johnnysmartpoint.com, johnnysmartpoint.com. John Carlson's direct number 604-612-0080. My mother, who was a fairly astute a real estate investor, John, always told me, Manny, when you're looking for a house and you think you found your dream home, but somebody else buys it from under your feet, don't worry about it. The next dream home you look at is just around the corner. There's some wisdom in that. Oftentimes we have uh, a defined version of what a dream home is, and then we get an, an experienced real estate agent like yourself. Hey, have you thought about this? And all of a sudden, 
the paradigm shifts about what you think you want to actually what you want, and there are so many options now. Let's look at what is on the market for people. Uh, John, I was looking at some figures, and I know you're familiar with the Fraser Valley real estate market. Um, Things are really booming. Does that mean that our choices are slimming? Well, it it depends on uh, the segment of the market, of course, and the supply versus demand ratios are are always changing. Uh, You may have heard the the phrase, a buyer's market. It's a buyer's market out there. Well, that would indicate that the supply is pretty strong compared to the demand, and buyers can be choosy, whereas a seller's market, the other way around. Demand is strong, and and, uh, supply is somewhat limited. So you have to know what you're operating in. But, but yes, you know, it's... um, it's always part of the process to make sure, first of all, if you're going to sell and buy and coordinate the two together, you need to make sure you've got a good understanding of what your house will likely sell for. You want to be realistic there. Otherwise, you're probably wasting your time. But you also need to make sure that you know that there will be a comfortable spot for you to land. Because quite frankly, when people originally first get into the market, they can be a little disheartened in a market like this where there's not a lot of inventory. Uh, because you know we we go out and and maybe a client is looking in a certain area in a certain price range, and we go over some listings and I set them up for notifications or they're on MLS or whatever it might be, and they'll pick five or six listings and they'll say, "Hey John, these look great." Well, I call the agents, two of them are sold, maybe one or two has an accepted offer, and they go, "Oh man, there's nothing out there," to which I usually respond depending on the situation, uh, "Hey, you know when we start on day one, we're just." Again, at day one, some of these homes have been on the market a week or two weeks, and people that are ahead of us in the process have jumped on them. The house that you are likely to buy might not even be listed yet. So, again, you want to make sure that there are properties that will satisfy you on the uh, on your landing spot wherever you're going before you can before you commit to selling your home. But I think uh, buyers need to understand that on day one of the market, you're already a little bit behind and other buyers have already seen a lot of these homes. And once the new listing inventory continues to replenish, and that's typically uh, what happens in the September market, people are done this summer, the weather's good, they put their house on the market. We're generally looking at homes that are about to hit the market when we're first day on the market. Well, to illustrate my point that, uh, and I think uh, Daryl, you know, really does... Uh, explain it better than I did. He didn't expect to buy a 4,500 seven-bedroom home. Uh, You know, I'm sure he had something a little less, but he opened up and said, you know what, Uh, Carlson brought us a pretty nice-looking property here. So he went went outside his comfort level. That's my point, that I don't think as grown adults that we should limit ourselves to what we think we want until we see everything that's out there. That's a good point. And some people know exactly what they want, and and my job is not to try to sway them. Uh, It certainly wasn't the case uh, with Daryl that they were looking for a little tiny bungalow and I upselled them into a mansion. I mean, that's not the case. But given their budget and where they wanted to be and the fact that they wanted a suite for their family, for their daughter and son-in-law and that sort of thing, uh, my part of my job was to turn over all the rocks and just expose some of the options to them. And uh, I don't think they had considered the idea of, of uh, going with a new build uh, because that can be a little bit scary. You know, with a new build, you can't see everything there because it's sometimes the foundation and framing. Uh, and in that case, again, you're really, uh, you know, it, it, you're dealing with the contract. You live and die by the contract in all instances, but especially on a new construction where it has to be written out what's to be performed. So 
that was a bit of a process for them. They they loved the brand new house. We looked at it a few times and they turned away from it and they went to look at other options, but nothing was quite as good. And in the end, they came back to that new construction. And the nice thing was they had the kitchen done exactly the way they wanted it, the media room downstairs. And, you know, within the budget that they were looking at, I think they got a little bit more than they expected. And uh, I can tell they're pretty happy about their new place. All thanks to John Carlson of 2% Realty. 612-0080 is John's direct number in the couple of minutes we've got left, uh, John, I was looking at some figures that uh, suggest the condo market is softening. In your opinion, uh, is that a move away to, uh, as you point out, uh, detached homes, a little more privacy, away from any sort of scary COVID stuff in elevators and such? Uh, but it does indicate something, that we're, we're looking for something else other than to be in a 30-story high-rise condo. I think that there is some of that out there. It's really hard to quantify exactly the reasoning, you know, behind why certain segments raise and certain segments may may diminish a little bit in terms of popularity. Um, but again, the COVID situation and avoiding elevators and common spaces, I'm sure, plays a part in some people's decision making. Um, you know, uh, the condo market has been really strong. Prices having gone up in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, condos are affordable. But now suddenly we have insurance crisis uh, and some buildings that are the cost to maintain them and keep them insured is, is going way up. And that's, you know, causing some people some concern about, hey, here's my maintenance fee today, but what's it going to be in November when my insurance policy is renewed? Um, you know, I, I was involved in one situation recently where we saw a building that you know, the maintenance fee went up from $350 to over $700 because of the insurance policy. So people, that's rare, but people are somewhat concerned about those sorts of things. And uh, there's lots of condos out there. They're not going out of style. People are still buying them and selling them. But the condo market ate up a bigger and bigger and bigger piece of the pie over the last decade. And now it would seem that to some degree, and, and not a large degree at this point, but to some degree, uh, the condominium buyers seem to have backed off just a, a little bit. So I guess it remains to be seen, but condos are still a very affordable and attractive option to a lot of people. And I would suggest if you're looking to buy or sell a condo, again, a good agent who knows the area and knows the ins and outs of the insurance um, aspect of it and that kind of thing will be able to give you some good advice. Always a pleasure to speak with John Carlson of 2% Realty. Uh, as John pointed out uh, earlier on in this hour, uh, September always uh, traditionally has been a busy month. So if you're looking to buy or sell, uh, get a hold of John as soon as possible. 604-612-0080. John Carlson, 2% Realty. Website, johnnysmartpoint.com. Johnny Smartpoint. Com. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Time now for another edition of Ask Andrew. Andrew Ferreira, executive producer of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. You're not a restaurant goer per se, are you, Andrew? Well, not right now. Um, you know, back in ye olden times, before uh, everything kind of got wonky, uh, yeah, I, you know, going to a restaurant was fun and I enjoyed it. I remember my last restaurant visit was actually the old spaghetti factory, oh, not really? my proudest moment, but <laughs> you can't say no to the value. Um, but no, I, I, the only reason we're bringing this up is because as we were preparing for the show today, I, I caught, I saw the headline and, uh, it's a number that kind of shocked me. Uh, 60% of restaurants in Canada could close within three months. 60%. Yeah, that's right across the country. 
that's not just British Columbia, as I understand it. That's, that is the whole country. Yeah, yeah. That that's, is a lot. That's six out of ten. That six is, out of ten restaurants will be closed or uh, struggle or, to stay. Or could be closed. Or could be closed, yeah. And, you know, the Canadian Chamber of Commerce are the folks that put this out. Uh, they found that 29% of accommodation and food service businesses cannot operate with social distancing measures in effect. You know, not every bar space is luxurious, wide and open, right? A lot of my favorite bars are cramped and tiny, and there is no way that social distancing can feasibly work in those spaces. So that's trouble for them. Uh, another 31% of these businesses will only be able to remain operational for up to 90 days with social distancing in effect. In other words, that's, you know, if, the, if social distancing measures are to keep these places shuttered, which they very well could given the public health environment that we're in right now, that could be, you know, added up that 60% of, of, you know, of, of service industry accommodation and food service. Well, there's a reason for the number of tables and chairs in a restaurant. It's a, you know, the health department allows you so uh, many uh, patrons and chairs and tables, uh, given your square footage. If you start taking tables out, uh, all of a sudden you're still paying for that square footage, but with fewer tables full of people. So it's no wonder that they're suffering. And the whole issue of opening up patios as well to sort of offset that indoor dining experience. Well, talk to me in February when it's raining and see how full those patios are going to be. It's a stopgap measure. It happened over the summer. Maybe it worked to save some, uh, help them survive. But that is a very frightening figure that six out of ten food industry outlets uh, could be closed over the next uh, few months because of the pandemic. Even more worrisome, of course, the 800,000 people who have been uh, forced out of work already. That, like, that in itself is a staggering number. 800,000 people have lost their jobs since this pandemic began. It, like, I can't even contextualize that number. Right? That's, that's how massive that is. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's double the size of Vancouver City proper. I think Vancouver City proper is, I don't know, it's about 800,000, isn't it? Vancouver City proper is about 600,000, I think. Okay, so well, that's, you know, it's yeah. one and a half times the entire city of uh, Vancouver proper. Yeah. Imagine just, emptying know. out this whole city. <laughs> yeah. And, that's what it would look like. Yeah. Uh, let's hope for the best. And uh, we urge you to continue under safety protocols to visit your favorite restaurant and, uh, you know, give some of the ma and pa, never mind the big chains, at least a chance at survival. But uh, thank you, Andrew. That's a very frightening figure. We hope it doesn't come true. Uh, But like all things, uh, we don't have a crystal ball here. We can only go by what the numbers uh, tell us at this very moment. Andrew Ferreira, executive producer of Vancouver Consumer. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Back in a moment. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Thank you.